Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. I want to start today by just reading um, a chunk of text. Um, which is where we're actually pulling this series from. Last week we started the series called Run With Endurance, um, not Run With Speed. If we were, that's a different series. Like we didn't do the series called Run With Speed. We're doing an inser- a series called Run With Endurance because there are some keys to what it actually means to live this life that God has put us on in a way. For the, for the long term, for the long haul. And so I want to read our passage. We've been pulling out of Hebrews 12. Ellie started last week, and how many were just like so blessed and encouraged by what she had to share? Yeah. That was awesome. It was amazing. I got so many messages that said, why can't she preach more? <laughs> and so she should preach more. She just, she just should. Uh, Hebrews 12, here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Like, just think about that for a second. If you recount everything that he went through and didn't give up, that gives us hope. Like he went through, I can guarantee you he went through way worse stuff than you and I will ever go through. And yet he endured. Oh, but he's the son of God. Yeah, but he was also fully man. Remember, remember that about Jesus? He's fully God and man. And because of that, he walked through everything that we will, but yet he did it with perfection and gave us a hope to be able to do that. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that empowered him and said, hey, by the way, I'm gonna give you the same spirit to help you be able to do that. Whew, I get really thankful for that. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said, my children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. We're going to talk about these verses next week. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children after all. Ooh, well, that's an interesting thought. Different perspective that I'm not going to talk about now, but I'm going to talk about next week. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Like, I'm really glad that NLT translated it that way. (laughs) It's painful. Discipline is painful. 
right? This is, we, we had our kids memorize this whole passage. This verse is my son's absolute favorite verse. I can't tell why, but, but afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. There's a lot of really good promises in there. There's a lot of really good promises in there. The, the, the heart of this series, if I could just say this this way, as Ellie and I were praying about this season for our church, we, we really recognize that the season that we live in in this world is one of anxiety, worry, fear, depression, burnout. Like all of these things are just amplified in our world. We realize this talking as, as we just talk amongst people in our congregation, that there are things that we're walking through right now that, that are burning us out. How many of you would say in your life, you have a few things that are burning you out? I didn't even finish the question, Justin. <laughs> we have a few things that are burning us out. But, but here's, here's and this is why this series is so important to us is because I believe that God has some heart work that he wants to do on his people. Because I guarantee you, God did not design you to burn out. God did not design you to be weighed down by worry and anxiety and fear. He did not design that. In fact, what he created for you was something completely different. Now, we live in a world where this becomes a big battle that we face because we live in a world that just accentuates all of the other things. Or suddenly, without even knowing it, we realize how burned out we are. Before we know it, we realize, oh my word, I spent the last hour and all of my thoughts were worrying about things taking place. This is, this is something that, that we really feel that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work on in you and us. Like, we're not exempt from this. As pastors of One Life, we sit right in it. I know, it's crazy. I can't tell you how many conversations Ellie and I will have that we'll be processing and we'll be processing and we'll be processing. And before we know it, we've got our minds all up in all kinds of a tizzy and we've realized, you know what? We have fed in to the dynamic of the world. We've allowed ourselves to get so focused on what ifs and what should have beens and what could have beens and why isn't this and all of this that suddenly we get in a frenzy and we forget that God's still on the throne. He still rules and reigns, that he's actually guiding us and directing us. There was a few days ago, we're, we're, we're in the middle of some, some big decisions in our, in our life right now that affect our family. And I woke up uh, you know, a few days ago and the, literally the first, the very first thought that filled my mind, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Yes. The race that he has put for you to run is ordered by the Lord. Right. Now, because it's ordered by the Lord and because he's made it and because he's fashioned it, it means he's with you to run it. We don't have to succumb to what's going on in our world right now. I, I've been off 
news for a while just because it wasn't good for me. And we were at a hotel this last week. We went to a conference in um, we went to a conference in Portland at the church that I grew up in that we were from, and uh, and they had. TV's on down where you get breakfast. It was a really good breakfast. It was fantastic. It was like eggs, sausage, and everything. Never mind. Um, but it was really good. But they had the TVs playing, and it was CNN. And I looked at it for like two minutes, and I, I felt like it's starting to like well up in me, like all the anxiety about everything that was going on. I'm like, oh my goodness. You could feel it. In your life, I imagine that there are some things in you right now that you can feel the weight that you're carrying. You can feel the burden of anxiety. You can feel the burden of burnout. Those things are not of God. Those things are not of God. Today, I want to focus, focus? I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on one verse. The first verse of Hebrews 12 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. This is the key right here. The race God has set before us. Don't run the race that he hasn't set before you. <clears throat> That'll lead to your destruction. Run the race he has set before you. That's what I want to focus on today. And I want to title this. I sometimes do titles because they're fun and sometimes I don't. But if you want a title for your notes, you can call it Coach Knows Best. Coach Knows Best. How many of you guys uh, played sports when you were young, okay? Or still play, play sports, you know, whatever. Uh, this phrase is one that's around, Coach Knows Best, right? Coach Knows Best. You're taught that he knows, you have to trust coach. You have to trust his leading. You have to trust what he says to do. Now, I never really did play sports um, because I realized in fifth grade when I played basketball that the Lord had not gifted me with that gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, and, and it became very apparent, very apparent when I was playing one time and, uh, and, and my coach, I was, I was out on, on the court and I was playing just really, really well, really well. I mean, I was, I was solid, and, and I'm down, and I'm ready, and I'm watching the ball, and I, I hear the coach start, like, yelling, Jason, Jason, and I'm, like, in, and I'm in, and then I look over, and, and I realized I, I was the one who was at one end of the court, <laughs> just having my time with Jesus, <laughs> and, and nobody else was. They didn't get the memo that we were down here now. And he was like, get on the other side of the... And that was, I think, probably about four games in where I realized, you know, I don't think this is for me, you know? I just, I don't, I don't even think. So sports was not a thing. But I did do a lot of uh, scouts. I did scouts all the way from Tiger Cubs all the way through Eagle Scout. Did that, yeah, I just dropped that ball, <laughs> Eagle Scout. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but I went all the way through. And in Scouts, one of the things that we did every year that I, that I did learn this idea of Coach Knows Best really well was at the Pinewood Derby. 
The Pinewood Derby, uh, for you, those of you who don't know, is it's a track that, that starts high, it's elevated, and goes down and ends. Um, it's not very long, right? And you would get a block of pine wood. Pine wood Derby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Trust me, it's not hard to figure out. So you'd have this block of pine wood, and you would have to form it, shape it, cut it, mold it into the winning car. Now, now there were, there were kind of two camps of kids in my scout troop. There were the kids that um, were really concerned about winning, and, and, and they, would, they would, you know, fashion their cars, and they were sleek, and they were just slick, and they had the weighting and all the right weight, right place. One of the guys in our scout troop, actually, his dad owned a machine shop, which was not fair, but um, he actually took his little axles, and he would turn them on a lathe and get all of the stuff. He was a little into it, if I'm just being honest, but he would turn these things, and he would graphite them and everything. He had that camp, and then you would have the camp of the guys that come in and they have a block of wood with some stickers, right? Or you had the guys, and this happened a lot. There was a guy who came in one time, and he came in, and he had a pickup truck. But, but as, as, as you look closer, you realize that really what he had done is he'd, he'd kept the block of wood underneath untouched and put a plastic model of a truck over the top of it. Um, that truck lasted almost one race. It got stuck halfway down and that was the end of it. But what I learned about this is that when you're in one of these two camps, one of the big differences between these is the voice of a father or a coach or a parent that's speaking into your life saying, hey, I think it would be better if you did it this way. Looks aren't all they've cracked up to be. You can make something into a Batmobile and it could fail miserably. What did I learn? Coach knows best. If you want to win, you better listen to the coach. Or you can do it your way, but it's a lot harder to do. Coach knows best. We believe that as we're looking here. Now, now I want to I speak this into you because there's really good news. God has given us a race. And he also teaches us how to run the race. And so as we learn to trust him, something amazing happens in our life. Because this trust unlocks a whole different way for us to be able to live. A whole different way to be able to process the things of life. Because we believe in our heart, coach knows best. So as we dig in today and we talk about the race, it's really important for us to understand something. That when this is laid out in Hebrews 12, we have a couple of choices. One, we have the choice to run our race or God's race. Talked about that already. We have a choice. Every day, you can run your race, do things your way, and try to get to the finish line like that. Or you can run God's race that he's laid out. But this is equally as important we have to make the decision to not only run God's race, but run God's race his way. Because I'm going to tell you what, if we don't run God's race his way, it also isn't possible. If you try to run the race of life that he's put in front of you without him to show you the way to do it, you still aren't going to be able to make it very far. 
you're going to be like a pickup truck on a Pinewood Derby that only makes it halfway down the track. So we need him to be able to show us the race to run and the way to run it. So I want to talk today about the race and the way for just a few minutes, the race and the way. Um, And as I'm processing through this scripture, the previous chapter to Hebrews 12 is the, the, the very famous chapter on faith. Hebrews 11 is the chapter of faith. And everything has to do with this life of faith that we run and, and, and what it means to look at the giants of faith and how they believed against all impossibility for something to take place. And they even continue to believe when they didn't see all the things happen in their life, but they continue to have faith and believe. And then we get to Hebrews 12 and he says, now endure in this race. What is the race? I would submit to you today that the race that God has set before us is the life of faith. The race that God has set before us is the life of faith. Now, there's been a lot of faith messages. You could go online and you could listen to a bunch of different stuff. And, and a lot of it was, is, you know, people saying, have more faith, you know, <laughs> thank you. I think, you know, this, this is not going to be one of those because I want to bring a different perspective on what faith is and the race of faith and what this actually looks like in our relationship with God. Because faith is connected to burnout. You might be asking, how? How is faith connected to burnout? I want to boil it all down to this statement. Faith surrenders my way to God's way. Let's him set the pace and gives him the things that are his to carry. That's what faith is. Because otherwise, you know what happens? And, and, and this is not intentional. This is just in the world, like I was talking about, in the world that we live in, with all of the pressures and all of the craziness and all of the anxieties and all the things that form, before we even realize it, we're not doing this on purpose, but before we realize it, we recognize we're starting to do things our way, we're starting to run at our pace, and we're starting to pick up and carry the things that we are not supposed to carry. And then we burn out. Again, this happens without even thinking about it. And even we live this life and we come and we say, God, I'm going to lay all these things down at your feet. Lord, would you take the pressures? Would you take the weights? And he goes, yes, just let go of them. But, but I don't want to. I, I am letting go, you know. I I am letting go. Or we let them go, but then slowly over time, what happens is we say, God, I trust you with my finances, but then I don't see a breakthrough in my finances, so what do I start to do? I start to pick up worry about them, and I start to try to power through and make it happen my own way. I start to try to muster up stuff, and I start to get frustrated and concerned, and I start to get worked up on the verge of burnout, and I start working three or four jobs to try to make ends meet, and all of this, and all this, and, and, and God just comes to say, I didn't ask you to carry that up. I didn't ask for you to carry that. That's not a weight that you're supposed to carry. Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking stewardship and I'm not knocking the things that we do in life that God's called us to do. But I am saying the pressure that comes from those things, if we pick it up, causes something that God never intended to have happen. So faith, faith is very much connected to burnout. Now, as we talk about faith and as we talk about burnout, the thing that I want us to understand, because it's, it's one thing, he's just, you know, the Lord's blessing him, so it's fine. 
The thing that I want us to understand about burnout and the thing about faith, it's not a switch. Okay, notice, notice what, what we're talking about here. We're talking about a race of endurance, which means faith to surrender our way to God's, to let him set the pace and give him the things that we're not supposed to carry is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. A lot of times we walk away from, from messages and we walk away from things and people say, just have faith. And you're like, I've been having faith. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I've been doing that. Can I come to tell you today that it's a process? It's a journey that God has for you. But he empowers you with the Holy Spirit to help you to learn how to run that race. The race is the life of faith, and it's one that we have to have the coach teach us how to run. Amen? Amen. I want you to just use this today as an evaluation. Because in our lives, like I said, there's, there are moments that we walk through, and we realize that the things that we're supposed to lay down and surrender and the things that are his weights to carry, we start to pick them up again. And we have to have moments of evaluation to realize, okay, I'm going to take a gauge on where my life is at right now. And if it's a little off, I'm going to make adjustments. I'm going to come back to say, God, whew, I've been picking stuff up again. And Lord, I lay it down at your feet and I ask you to help me. I put my trust in you and my faith in you. I realize that I've been doing things in my own way. I realize I've been going out of my own smarts, but I'm going to lay it down at your feet once again and ask you just to have your way. This is something that is an ongoing thing. If you think about the, the dynamic or the illustration of running, if you're running a long distance marathon, which I've done so many of. Wow, you guys are actually trusting me. No, I've never done one. Are you kidding me? In Bible college, we, uh, there was this girl that I was really trying to impress because I really liked her. And, uh, and so she was a runner, and, and you're probably familiar with who she is. Um, and she, uh, she was a runner, and she, she ran a lot. And so she was like, hey, in the morning before classes, why don't we show up, and why don't we run Rocky Butte, which is like elevation gain of... I don't know, a lot, you know, it's very steep. And, uh, and so we would go out and we would run together and I learned very quickly how not in shape I was, you know, she's like jogging and going for it. And I'm like, she's, so she comes, okay, next sign, just make it to the next sign. <laughs> this is not working for impressing her at all. This is, this is not what I was hoping at all, you know? So she still married me though. So that was nice. It wasn't dependent on my running. Thank you, Jesus. The moral of the story, you don't have to run a marathon in order. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's a process. But the thing about running that I realized is if you're out running a long distance marathon, you constantly have to check yourself to make sure you're not pushing yourself harder than you should at that time to make sure you can make it to the end. It's the ones that run faster and give more exertion at the wrong times that burn out before the end of the race. So you're constantly having to evaluate, where am I at? Do I need water? Do I need to slow down? Where's my pace at? Can I go a little bit more? Where am I at? We have to constantly be evaluating these things. It's the same thing in the race in the life of faith. 
We have to evaluate, is my life still grounded in faith in Jesus or has it shifted? And if it's shifted, I need to take the cues and bring it back into alignment with faith in Jesus. Make sense? Make sense? Okay. So use this as an opportunity to do this. Now, the reason that this is such a big deal is because faith is in constant war with control. I want you to think about this. Faith yields control to God. But, but I think I've got it figured out. Like, I think I know how we're supposed to do this. And he says, do you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, but do you see the beginning from the end? Do, do you have it all figured out and sorted out in your life? Do you know what's around the next turn? I, th- I think I do. We don't. Do you think that I saw a brain tumor coming? No. Do you think that anybody who's walked through a catastrophe in life has seen it coming? No. What this does is it's these moments of evaluation to say, you know what? Maybe there's some areas where I'm burned out because I've tried to hold the reins too much. And by the way, there's no condemnation in this. And it's not like God's frustrated with this, but he does want to take the reins so that you don't have to. Faith and control are in constant war. Let's jump to Hebrews 11 really quick. Hebrews 11, first verse of it says this. Now faith, we're talking about the, the race of faith, the life of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Two powerful words. Assurance in the Greek means this, something of substance. It's a guarantee. Our faith is grounded in a guarantee that because God says that he can do miracles, he can do miracles. Because he's done things before and he's always provided and he's paved a way and he's led us before, it means it's a guarantee that he will do that again. We talked about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. It's a guarantee that he is good, even when it's hard for me to be able to see it. It's a guarantee of that, okay? Conviction means this. It's to be found to be right or to expose something with convicting evidence. Our faith is grounded in the conviction that God is faithful. And when we look back at the things that he's done in life, we are have a conviction that he will do it again because the evidence is there. We can hold on to that and look forward into the future knowing that he's still going to move. He's still going to guide us. He's still going to lead us. He's still going to speak to us. Even when we don't understand what is around the next bend, he says, but I'm with you and I'm gonna help you. And if you just trust me, I'm right there with you. It's a belief system in our life. Now it's shaken. Don't, don't get me wrong. It is shaken. Our faith is shaken. There's a lot of things in life that try to shake this assurance and this conviction that we have. There's a lot of things that will try to tear us down in the middle of what we're walking through. But I believe that what God has for you today, if you're someone who's here and you've maybe lost a little bit of your insurance in what God can do and in who he is, I want to believe today that there's a freshness of the Holy Spirit to bring that back into your life again. That there's an assurance that you can have that he builds up inside of you. 
Faith affects every area of our life. If you think about it, we have to have faith in every area of life. Some big faith, some small faith. And it also conditions our perspective on life. If we're living a life of faith, it actually alters how we see situations. I can see this through the natural situation going, that's impossible. Or I can look at an eyes in faith and go, God doesn't think it's impossible. I might think it's impossible. I might not be able to see a solution. I might not have any of it figured out, but he does. He's got it all figured out. There's nothing that's outside of his control, his power. We are called to be people of faith. I want to give you a couple chunks of scripture here real quick. The first one's in Galatians. Galatians 3 says this, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you have heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And this is the important part. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. The children of God are those who ones who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. We're called to be righteous because of our faith. It's our faith. It's our faith in him. It's our belief in him. It's our trust in him that he can still work, that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. I messed the order up, but it doesn't matter. That he's the same and he's constant in the same thing that he did in the Bible, the same miracles that we see time and time again, he can still perform those. He still has the power to do that. Nothing has taken his power from him. He can still heal. He can still transform. He can still do things in an instant because if he wanted to, he can because he's God. The very next one, go ahead. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all the nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. Another passage, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, got to keep going because the clock keeps going. Time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking. All right. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, we groan, longing to, put our heavenly, to be put in our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on me, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. All of that to sum up that this is the people that God has called us to be, to be people of faith, people of faith. Now, when it comes to faith, And we say this, that coach knows best. Coach knows best. We believe he's put the race in front of us. He's put the way in front of us in order for us to run. What faith does is faith is believing that God knows best. Faith believes that God knows best. 
and believes that in the middle of everything going on in the circumstances that we walk through, that he knows best. And this is why. First Peter, let this encourage your heart. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Why can we have faith that we can trust him even when it doesn't seem like we can? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. If, you. if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to walk away with the reminder, he cares for you. And a renewed faith in our hearts that we can follow him. So a couple of things real quick. Faith, in believing that God knows best, says this. Faith believes that God is directing me. He's directing my steps. He's ordering the things in front of me. When I don't see it, where it doesn't always make sense, he's guiding me. Faith believes that God is allowing what he knows will mature me to happen to me. I might not understand it. I might not agree with it. It might be very hard, but it trusts that he knows what he's doing. Faith believes that God is good even when things are bad. Faith believes that what he says in his word is true and trustworthy. That what we read in his word is true. (laughs) Faith says that when God says to live a certain way, he knows best. You know, we look at the Bible sometimes and we're like, oh, it's just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of rules. What if we were to look at it as a bunch of guidelines and guardrails? What if we were to look at the word and say that everything that's outlined in there is not to keep you bound, but it's to keep you safe and headed in the right direction? There's too much out there that says, wow, there's just, how are you a Christian? There's just so much stuff that you just have to live under. No, I got all this stuff that I get to live in. Why? Because if I live outside of it, my life's not good. I think it's time for us as the people of God to have a shift in our mind that goes, man, God gave us some amazing safety guards in here. Why? First Peter, because he cares for you. It's a trust, okay? Uh, Faith says this. It believes that God shows me the best way of life, the way of forgiveness, the way of grace, the way of compassion that God knows best. (laughs) Faith believes that when God says no, he's right. We don't like that one. God, I just want this. No. But wait a second. I mean, don't answer right away. You know, Don't, don't answer right away. But if he says no, it's for a reason because he's doing something different. Faith believes that God is providing what I need. Faith believes that God's providing what I need. And faith, oh, this is, this is a word for somebody in here. Faith believes that if I run at God's pace, I won't miss out. How many, how many FOMO people do I got in the room? You're like, I don't want to miss out on anything. Like, hey, I don't want to do that. If we have faith in the pace that he sets for how we run life, we can say no to things that are okay to say no to, and we aren't missing out on something but because we're making a right choice. Faith is what leads, these, leads us in these things. 
Paul encourages us to continue to press on in the faith, to continue to believe and to move forward in the faith. I want to make a statement. This might kind of seem kind of funny, but here it is. Burnout happens when we try to live the life of faith without faith. Just just think about that for a second. The life that God laid out in front of you cannot be run without faith in him. But yet there are people that try. Try to do all the right things. Try to power through. Try to be good enough. Try to live this perfect life. Live under the pressure and the weight of all the things that have to be done. And we forget this element of trusting God. And this is where burnout comes. Because then we start to, again, pick up the things that we were not intended to pick up. Is this resonating with you this morning? My hope is that, and I'm going I'm to get to, to, the, to the end of it here real quick, um, but my hope is that today, here in just a minute, as we pray and as we minister, that there's an infusion of life back into you. For just a second, I want to talk about the way, because, and this could be a whole message on its own, so I'm not going to do it justice. The race is the life of faith. What is the way? The way to live the life of faith is surrender to running God's race his way. Surrender. Surrender is a word that is so deep and wide. I'm not even going to do it justice in the few minutes that we have here. But surrender is this idea of saying, you are Lord, which means when you say things and when you guide my life, I'm going to actually obey. Meaning when God says, listen, (laughs) I want you to slow down and clear your schedule a little bit because otherwise you're going to fall apart. It's us going, okay, I'm going to clear my schedule because you're Lord, you're calling the shots, and I believe you have my best interest in mind, and I'm going to trust you. It's when he says, you know what? I know that you have 40,000 relationships. Might be one too many. You, you might be burning yourself out trying to keep all the relational dan- dynamics going. I'm not saying drop friends. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if we're following his lordship in our life. So what's the way of surrender? Now, this quote is such a good quote from Andrew Murray, who wrote uh, a book on surrender that is just phenomenal. But this quote is so good. He says this, ah, yes, ah, yes. You failed because you do not accept the strength of God. You don't surrender. God alone can work out his will in you. You cannot work out God's will, but his Holy Spirit can. And until the church, until believers grasp this and cease trying to, by human effort, do God's will and wait upon the Holy Spirit to come with all of his omnipotent and enabling power, the church will never be what God wants her to be and what God is willing to make of her. Surrendering to God's way is the key to the whole thing. We have a race, and and next week, just to give you a spoiler, really this week and next week are part one and two. 
Next week, we're going to get real, real practical about some ways that we can actually form our lives and live our lives that God's already given us. They're tools that he's given us that a lot of times don't happen, but that we have. And we're going to get really, really practical about what it looks like to live a life according to this life of faith in the way that he's called us to do that. How many of you guys would like some practical tools to kind of, how do you navigate all of this, right? So we're going to jump into that next week. But today, I want to take the first step of this, and here's where I want to conclude and bring us to this morning. Because there's, there's always in us, and this is for every person here. I really believe that this is for every person here. There are areas in our life that we have to continually come back to surrender to him. There's areas in all of our lives where we pick up the reins, where we pick up too much of the weight, And we start doing things our way and we need to come back to a place of saying, God, mm, I've carried this for too long. And I want to lay it down. I want to surrender my life again to you. And maybe that means that he calls the shots on how you're organizing a part of your life. Maybe it's surrendering a thought process that you've been stuck in that says, I I have to keep up with the Joneses and I have to do all this stuff and, and I have to have it all right and all this and all of these thought processes have got you just bound in your mind. Surrendering those things and allowing the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing to them. Maybe you're here today and you're just carrying a lot of weight of the things that you're walking through. Maybe you're walking through some situations in your life, some seasons in your life that are very dark, that it's hard to see the goodness of God. It's hard to see the faithfulness of God. It's even hard to have faith in God. But it's a good opportunity for us to bring even those things. Say, God, I don't have all the answers to these. I don't understand even why I'm having to walk through it right now. This is not what I would have picked. This is not what I do. If I was to lay out my life, I wouldn't have picked this. But it's coming to say, but here I am in the middle of it. Would you fill me with your power? Would you use me? Would you direct me? And would you bring glory to your name in the middle of everything I'm walking through? It's surrendering to say that he wants to be glorified in every situation that we walk in. He wants to be lifted up in the darkest hour of your life. He wants to be lifted up on the mountaintop. And it's us saying, God, here I am, broken as I'll get out. But here I am, surrendering to you again. This morning, I hope that each one of you has something where you're like, you know, there's there's some areas that I need to surrender to the Lord today. And like we've been doing the last couple of weeks, the way we're going to end today's service is, is a little bit more chill. I'm going to open up the, the altars, and just like we've done the last few weeks, this is just on you, a time for you and the Lord. And if you have something specific that you're like, yep, I can identify it right now, an area of my life where I need to surrender some things back to God again, I want to open this up and just come and find a place to kneel down, find a place to just do some business with the Lord here this morning. If you'd rather do it right where you're seated, you can do that too. That's totally fine, but these are here. And I just want you, before you leave today, to really have a heart-to-heart with God. Maybe you don't know the areas that need to be surrendered. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to those things. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to come to illuminate in you areas where you need to have some surrender back towards him. So I'm going to pray and then Christy's just going to play and this is just for you to find a place where you can do this, where you can do business with surrendering some things to him. And then next week, we're going to actually start building on some things. We're going to start building some things in life that start to help us to run this race with endurance. But it starts with surrender. Not my race, his race. Not my way, his way. So Jesus, I thank you right now for what you're doing in your people. I thank you for the infusion of your spirit today to help people who are downcast. Lord, who are burned out, who are frustrated, who have walked through life and crazy things going on. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now to bring life into your people, a breath of fresh air into your people right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would come to lift burdens that are being carried in this place, lifting burdens that are causing burnout, that are causing anxiety, that are causing fear, that are causing sadness. Lord, I ask that by the Holy Spirit, you would come to lift those burdens. I thank you that you took them on yourself and you still take them on yourself. So Father, I pray that there would be an exchange in your people today. And Lord, now as we come to surrender who we are in this place, Lord, I pray that we would be able to come to lay down the things and the weights that we've carried the ways that we've lived life, maybe even doing things our way or, or, or maybe it's anxiety that we've been floating around in our head and we just want to surrender those things to you to have you come and to heal and to, to mend and bind up and, and wipe those things away. Lord, we come to you right now to just surrender before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Altars are open. I would invite you just to come up, find a place just to spend time with God before you leave today. But just spend a few minutes with that. Really let him search your heart this morning.